the Isle of Misfits. I am your humble and misfitish host, Nancy Carmichael, and with us today is Justin Jones, who is a pastor, a farmer, and a member of the exclusive Third Timer Club here on the Isle. Is that correct? I think I, this I is. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize it was. That's an awesome exclusive club. I'm happy to be part of that. So. Well, you know, it is a it is a high honor, and so not all not only all of this, but you also are a good friend of mine. So that's why you're here today. So I welcome you, Pastor Farmer Justin. So glad to be chatting with Thanks you. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. So. so, all right. So if you've tuned into the Isle of Misfits via podcast or blog for any length of time, you know that this is not an exclusive club. You're, everyone is welcome. All misfits are welcome, right? And that's because most of us at one time or another have felt like maybe we don't fit in, maybe we're misunderstood. So in that respect, today's podcast is going to be a little bit different because Today we're going to focus in, we're going to home in just a little bit. We're actually going to be speaking today to a specific group of misfits, that is those who are within the Christian church. And I wanted to say that up front because a lot of what we're going to talk about today is really focused on the Christian community. But of course, I don't want you to feel left out if that's not you. I still think you're in the right place because, you know, the pressure's off, right? You just get to listen in. So if nothing else, it's, you know, like that Michael Jackson meme with the popcorn. So just sit back, relax, enjoy. Two Christian misfits talking about not that I'm calling you a misfit. Hey, mis- mis- you know, no misfits. We're all kind of weird in some way. Okay, so yeah. he's owning it too. So yeah, so that's that's one thing that's a little bit unique about today's show, but that's not all. But wait, there's more. There's more. Yes, because not only that, we have another first today. For the first time in misfit history, we are actually recording this live and in person. Not that we're not alive any other time, but <laughs> usually I record it via Skype because my guests are so far away, but you, Justin Jones, pastor, farmer, friend, you are sitting only feet away from me, yes. and it's, it's a it's a nice distance. So don't worry out there; we're perfectly safe. So yes, so that's exciting. It's never been done before. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? We're gonna find out, aren't we? So, <laughs> so um, so let's ease our way into okay. this little discussion. And I know you know what's coming. I do. This I is do. your third time here. Yes. Is it? It's your third time. It's not I your fourth time. It's third or fourth. It's third. How many books have you written? Three. Oh my gosh! So this is your fourth time. It may be. All fourth. right, this is <laughs> this is history in the making. We've never had a fourth time here. Okay. So then you I'm know you know what's coming. Yes, I do. It's the stupid game. Yeah. Okay. And um, the notes are right in front of you, so I don't know if you've peeked, because I didn't tell you before. So this is real short. Yes. It's real sweet. Yes. We're calling today's stupid game lockdown edition all right so would you rather okay lockdown edition, i can do this right one question that's i it. haven't been so good at these before so i can do this one. Right, well yeah. you know the beauty is there's no wrong answer it yeah we're just it's, it's a rorschach test really sure. okay all right so here's your stupid question would you rather binge watch dr pimple popper or be stuck in a 12-hour zoom meeting go they, they both sound awful they do uh, they both sound <laughs> really awful I can I I have grown to very much dislike zoo, long Zoom meetings, um, but I think it's it's not a question. I would rather be in a Zoom meeting <laughs> because the the other is I have like this phobia of little like we're speaking about fear today, right? We we well, yes we are. I have this like yeah I have a phobia of those kind of you can tell I kind of start to gag in my mouth about those kind of. He things. is growing pale. Yes. That's the beauty of being next to my guest. <laughs> I can true. I can see their physical reactions. So yeah, yes. I, I think it's another question. I think I would probably pass out if I had to uh, watch uh, a marathon of Dr. Pimple Poppers. So. Okay, so some people love it. I mean, oh, some people are way into it. I'm like, married to one of them. Really? Oh yeah. They're down think. deep yeah. into that yeah. rabbit hole. I am married. I, I would probably yeah. pass out. I so. have to leave the room when yes. it's on, but yeah. 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 So, so, all right. So as disdainful I may as die either way, but I'll take my chances with Zoom. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, death by Zoom. <laughs> I've heard it's a thing. So, so as disdainful <laughs> as that is, that's your choice. All right. Congratulations. You've... Uh, Did I pass? You passed. Well, hopefully. You, you passed. You won. <laughs> You've already got... I don't know how many mugs you have at this point. So uh, there's How many left. points did I get? Like, whose line is in any way, right? Yeah, yeah, we're going to... Yeah, you have a million points for that. So <laughs> congratulations. So, all right. Well... That's a beautiful segue because speaking of fear and dreadful things, so um, you might have guessed we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. In fact, um, we're going to talk about COVID, but uh, don't go away, don't run, don't run, because I know it's just what the world needs, mm-hmm. right? Another talk about COVID. But I honestly think 
the world might need this conversation today because we're really not just here to talk about COVID. We're not here to talk about politics, but we have a big question. Mm -hmm. All right, so here's the big question. And I'm going to ask it, and then hopefully I'm going to shut up and let you do a lot of talking because you're the guest. So here's the question. What should our response to fear, danger, and the uncertainties of life be as Christians? That's a huge question, yeah. And you know what's interesting? I... um, I think we're going to get into this, but I, I wrote this post um, that is, you know, uh, kind of we're talking about to somewhat today, right. uh, kind of a blog post. I don't write on this blog very often, but I wrote it coming back from Africa. And um, like you said, I it's such a contentious, emotionally charged environment in this whole past, what, eight months, ten months, um, right. that I have tended to kind of wait and only write occasionally on these these things um, because a lot of times on social media and all these kind of things it's just and so coming back um, I felt the responsibility I had right now but I just assumed that oh it's a COVID thing nobody cares (laughs) anymore like those conversations are mostly exhausting right and yet this post for whatever reason resonated I think deeper with people than that you know it's gone out I think over 17,000 views in 75 countries. I mean, it's uh, it's around the world that people are checking this out. So there's something that's resonated, I think, yeah. with people. And I would have never expected that. Because yeah. I think people feel exhausted talking about COVID. And I get it. I feel exhausted, too. But, but I think you've touched a nerve. Yeah. And that, that really is what kind of spurred the idea for this conversation today. So, And I know, you know, we want to enter these waters very carefully, right? right? Because, you know, right away, going into this conversation... There's already a dividing line, right? There's already the camps, you know, the camp here, the camp there. Um, People that have already decided what they think, regardless of, you know, what they feel the other side is saying. So, and, and we're not here... I don't know. This might be an impossible task. We're not here to stir up controversy, <laughs> but we are here to ask some hard questions, I think, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully be brave enough to wrestle with them a little bit. Right. So, we've already kind of started. So, yeah, you wrote this, you wrote this blog, so let's... Let's go to the next thing. So tell us about this trip to Africa. Yeah, so um, several months ago, um, we got some contacts from my sister-in-law. She's been a a missionary in Zambia and in the Congo for over a decade now and um, doing some really cool work over there. We always planned that we would take our family over there at some point to to hang out with her and see what she's doing in person and all that kind of stuff. But our kids are still relatively young. You know, we just imagine we'd have to save it for a while and let them get a little older. And then she told us that, hey, I'm getting married to a guy that she works with um, in Zambia. And so even if um, they wanted to get married in Africa because that's their home, but even if they wanted to come back here, he's a Zambian. And so you know, hard right now. Well, you can't get paperwork. All the and you can't get paperwork all yeah, around, yeah, around the yeah. world and stuff. And so, um, but we wanted to celebrate with her. And so, as the discussion went, there was all this. You know, it's hard to travel right now. There's all kinds of craziness. It's just a weird time in the world to travel. Uh, but as it came to be, we ended up um, setting up a trip. She was going to get married in November, so we ended up setting up a trip. Um, to go visit her. We left on election day of all contentious uh, what days. A, what a great time to get it out was of here. A, it was an interesting dodge, time. You know, we kept joking, <laughs> like, the Civil War will be happening when we come back. But, am, yeah, um, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, so we left uh, election day, went over, did some ministry with her, saw where she was at, got to... Um, experienced a ton of stuff. She lives close to Victoria Falls, biggest waterfall in the world. We got to do a lot Amazing. of cool stuff. And then we got Amazing. to uh, do ministry, but then ultimately celebrate her wedding with her and uh, my, my new brother-in-law. And uh, just amazing, beautiful wedding on top of this this gorge near the falls, and so. Oh, I saw it beautiful. on Facebook Live. Beautiful. I was there. Yeah, yeah. Virtually. Yeah, virtually. Speaking. Yes, it was. Amazing. <laughs> the power went out yeah. in the middle of the wedding, so it started cool. and then it went out and then came back. So, yeah. That happens here yeah. too. Yeah. But yeah, so like you did, yeah. So there was a wedding, there was a safari, you did ministry, you shared the gospel, uh, revival services. I mean, you were and and you talked with people literally from all parts of the world, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they had their mission organization uh, was kind yeah. of based in that region in there, mm-hmm. and so they had they had missionaries from all over the world. They actually had a training. Uh, they have a training situation that they bring in uh, kind of people from around the world to get trained, and they had their biggest class ever. About fifty missionaries were getting trained at that moment. So people from around the world. It was it was great to be able to have conversations, talk to people from different places, and see where they were at. Right. So. so all kinds of beautiful things happening. Beautiful, amazing opportunities. And yet, you know, you even spoke of Victoria Falls, like which, which is stunningly beautiful. But even the falls, like in the midst of the beauty, 
there is an element of danger, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we I've done quite a bit of travel in um, not as many as some, but I've, I've traveled around the world to some extent. And, uh, you know, it's always interesting. You get outside your own context and there's just a, a natural danger to that. But, right. you know, in Zambia, we're talking about a hard, you know, many parts of Africa are kind of a hard land. You know, it's just different in, in a different way. Um, you know, just different experiences and you kind of see some of the hardships in a different way in, in some other places like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we were literally standing, it was dry season, we're literally standing in Victoria Falls. <laughs> There's a cliff, you know, 160 you something know, Watch feet your step. Deep. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So, um, you know, we held a crock in our mm-hmm. hands. Like, there were just things like that stuff. Yeah. They don't have the guardrails. There was roads here, that were right? washed yeah. out, and there was uh, black mamba on the base, and there was a scorpion near a room. Like, it's just different, you know? Things mm-hmm. we don't normally have to deal with, and so just inherently dangerous, you know? So. So, and, and yet, but there you were. So it's it's almost like weighing, all right, well, there's danger, and how do I feel about that? Like, it's, it's almost like this, I remember in economics class that I barely passed years ago, but they talked about something called opportunity cost. And it's basically the idea is you weigh what's worth more to you, right? right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously it sounds it sounds like your opportunity cost shifted in the direction of the beauty rather than the danger. Although I'm putting words in your mouth, so I'm going to let you talk. Yeah, no, and even before we traveled, I mean, we're because of the way COVID has made things right now, travel was hard. I mean, it was three right. days there, three days back. One, one flight alone was 17 hours. Yeah, um, with the mask on, right? With yeah, mask yeah, on. Yeah. It just so makes everything were, more complicated. They were complicated. safe about it. They, yeah, they weren't reckless. Right, yeah, but right. it was just everything's more complicated, right, you know? Right. So even before we went, there was part of me it's like, ugh. But as I've found in almost every part of my life, um, adventure only comes with risk. Mm. And the most beautiful things that have ever happened in my life happened because I was willing to take a risk. That that risk assessment went in the direction of being willing to take the risk. And I, uh, that's part of the reason I wrote the blog post, because I came back and I said, you know what? We forget how safe we try to make our whole we wrap everybody and everything in bubble wrap expecting that no accidents or things will ever happen and that's no way to live life because um, all almost all of the beautiful things that have happened in my life came because I chose to take a risk um, not an unwise risk not a stupid risk not something that would put me in imminent danger um, but things that I knew the accident could happen and bad things could happen and I potentially could die or get hurt you know right. um and they were some of the most beautiful life-changing transformational times in my life you know so so there's risk there's danger and then there's there's that line that we have to decide okay at what point does the risk become worth the result the beauty the experience the adventure and i guess in a way that's different for for everybody but since i have you here like do you have criterion that that helps you decide? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, so at Victoria Falls, for instance, and I think they even upgraded slightly from when my in-laws had gone about eight years ago. And um, you know, I think back then, I mean, literally next to some of these falls, there was just a little rope or something like you know. And so now there's at least two things. But our kids, we had to kind of hold on to them because they easily could have just right fallen through. Right, and there's and nothing wrong with wanting to be safe and right. protect. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I get that part of it. So if there's yeah. a completely yeah. um, unwise and the potential for danger is so high, and I, but I think it's you always balance it on something else. I remember when I was in college, I helped lead a, a dorm and was in leadership of a dorm for a couple of years, and it was a dorm that had a high history. Um, it was a it was an all freshman guys dorm, but it was passionate about discipleship, and and there were different. F- fun but transformational events that we held um sure they were they were a little bit like uh you know there could be danger involved with them but they were transformation like guys talked about them for years they said like this transformed me and it was not just like a hey we had fun it was like a hey i got to know people and also my my faith deepened because of those things um and one of the years i was in leadership there they they brought a risk assessment office onto campus and i think my heart goes to the risk assessment was not primarily asking the question what's going to be the best thing in driving towards helping people grow with the gospel or do this that that wasn't the main question the main question is what's going to cause the university to have the most liability Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i 
Um, I don't discount that question. They have right. to ask that question. Sure. I don't discount it. Yeah. But it's, when that but question lawyers, trumps this, and I think in what I see in American society is because of the unfettered liability questions that are around everything, every corporation, every right. organization. Right. The question primarily yes. first and foremost isn't about, coffee. It's not about safety. It's about liability. Right. And they're two right. different things. And right. so when I'm making a decision, it's about true safety. And um, I'm not thinking about, you know, who am I going to sue if this happens. But that's where the world's at right now. And I think that's why we've boxed ourselves into this very tight little system where everybody's just afraid of liability. And all what that's doing is avoiding, and it's not challenging us to keep growing as people. Because there's inherently liability in everything, right? Right. So. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that directly answers your question. Well, no, I think it's important to talk about this because even as we're talking and I'm listening to you, I, I know that the, there's somebody out there, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm assuming your thoughts, people, but I, I just know you well enough by now to know that somebody out there is thinking, okay, well, that's all well and good, but we're not talking about waterfalls and we're not talking about hot coffee at McDonald's. We're talking about a deadly disease. And I know that's not all we're talking about, but certainly that's what's on everybody's mind right now. So in light of that, I know you you shared some really compelling thoughts in this blog, and we're going to recommend, I'm going to post it in the show notes so people can read it for themselves, but um, I'd like to talk about that a little bit. Like, how do you, you know, in light of something that is that is for real and that people are dealing with and there's real fear around this, how do, how do you weigh the, how do you do that risk analysis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the reality checks that I put in there were the questions I want to ask myself, right? Right, yeah, and you and had like Four, four, four points, yeah, and, yeah, and they're yeah. questions I, I want to ask myself and challenge people to ask, right? Um, yeah, obviously, I put things in there about I'm not a doctor, right? And so I can't, but this is a bigger question than just, it's become bigger than just a doctor question. And for some people, right. they say it's not. It's right. just a very straightforward, simple right. thing. Right. Public health told us this, we do this, right? right. Yep. I don't think it's like that necessarily, um, personally, but, you know, I'm not a doctor, obviously. I know that people have suffered and are suffering because of this, and some have died. Um, you know, it's rare, but especially those that are uh, vulnerable, you know, like there is some of those things. Um, so I understand that point. But these are the kind of questions I ask myself in relation to COVID. And I do think, even though I, I you know, I got some people that, that push back pretty hard about it, um, I do think we have to, and especially within the church, we're talking to Christians today, right? Right. Yes. I think specifically as Christians whose home is not this world, our home is the next world. I, I, my particular passion is to churches and church leaders because I just don't think we've been willing to. We're so scared of sacrificing an image that might make us look like we're caring for the least of these. But I don't think we've been careful enough to ask ourselves questions on the other side too um, because without knowing it, we might be sacrificing something that's of significant and huge value. Um, I know these are honest questions that people wrestle, and I'm not saying somebody has to agree with me, but these, you know, the kind of questions to ask myself is just like, where are we? Why is it that we are suffering when other places around the world are not that should be? Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest things I took away from mm-hmm. being in Zambia, where the infrastructure uh, would not allow a rampant COVID situation. It would kill a lot more people if it was very deadly right. in the way that some recognize it. It would kill a lot more people. Right now, according to Zambian statistics, they have something like, according to their statistics, something like 17,000 cases or a little bit more total. Cases. Okay. And out of a population of how many? I, I would have to look at that. I'm not sure. But it's not a small country. Right. Um, it's pretty large. Um, right. So at least a million? Oh, yeah, oh for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. For yeah. sure. I mean, some of their cities are, are large. So, right. um, and this, so this isn't just, I mean, there's a huge swath, swath of the country that is bush. But, I mean, right. their cities are large, some of these cities. Right. Um, yeah, and the, the the cases could be, you know, that they're just not doing a lot of testing, so that that's a whole other conversation, which, sure. you know, I know we don't need to get too far into the weeds, but it's relevant to me in that, you know, I, I also, I got curious, and so I started looking up, you know, why aren't we hearing about some of these other um, developing nations? Like, I was thinking of nations I've been to in the Caribbean, so I was looking up statistics, like in Jamaica, or, um, well, I'll just use that one, because that's the one I remember. So... Out of 10 million people, there was something like 10,000 cases and 250, and this was a couple weeks ago, so the numbers could be different, but probably not too much different, Um, you know, 250 
unfortunate fatalities in a place that doesn't have the kind of medical care infrastructure, a um, lot of crowding situations. I remember, you know, being on buses that were like 50 people in a bus that was designed for 12, you know, like right. that kind of stuff. One, of the, one yeah. of the kickbacks I've gotten from several people now um, about the article was, well, you're, you're not comparing apples to oranges because mm -hmm. um, people in Zambia or a country like Zambia wouldn't travel around as much as people in the U.S. did. And um, my pushback was that I think if you had gone to Zambia or a country like Jamaica or some, or some of these other places, mm -hmm. you might be surprised that it's like the most fertile, at least the cities. Sure, right, out in the bush, right, I understand sure. that, right? Space, the yeah. cities, you're talking like yeah. 10, 15 people in a little van. Like, it's n it's a situ the perfect situation for the spread of an epidemic, and which is recognized by Southern Africa and other parts of Africa have significant epidemics happening right now in all kinds of other epidemics, right? So right. it's the perfect ground for that stuff to happen. And yet, for whatever reason, lack of testing, whatever, not seeing tests, but they're also, you talk to everybody in Zambia, just like, yeah, I mean, everybody told us there was going to be people dying in the streets, and hospitals didn't fill up, and people didn't die. Right. So, okay, so that doesn't seem to be happening from your, you know, from your personal observation, yeah. not just looking up statistics. So, you know, and it's not necessarily that we want to die on this hill and sure. keep beating yeah. it, but I think it is a valid question. Right. So, all right, there's one question. So, and but you had some other questions that you that you kind of posed in this blog post. So, I'm going to let you decide which one. So, some, yeah, about next. some yeah. some of the reality checks yeah. or, or ways that I tried yeah. to discern this in my own mind. One, the first one I was talked about was that the my reality check or what I saw is just the U.S. is very physically and mentally weak. And now I know it's a pretty strong statement, right. and it could feel very harsh to people. Mm -hmm. um, but haven't been offended. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, I'm out of here. But and I think it would be hard for somebody to see that's never been outside of this sphere. Like if the U.S. is your only, um, in, in fact, you probably say like we are the strongest people in the world. Uh, but um, one of the things I put in there is that struggle. We forget that strength comes from struggle. Right, strength doesn't come. You don't go to the gym and sit down and watch a movie and eat popcorn and expecting to get buff, right? You go to the gym to t literally work your muscles to the point where you tear them so your muscles get built. And as I look at the U.S., again, we're, because we've isolated ourselves in these little safety bubbles, we've imagined that life is supposed to be completely safe on all levels. Um, we've put ourselves in a place where we don't have to deal with struggle. Now, people are going to push back, and, and believe me, I'm not saying that there is no struggle. I, I do counseling with hundreds of people, right? There's awful things happening to people, and people go through struggles. I'm not right. saying that, but right. physically, every, yeah. Yeah. physically, mentally, I think people would be shocked if they went to another country in another context and heard what the average person around the world actually has to deal with, right? You could spout all the statistics about, like, we are all in the United States in the 1%, right? You know, right. that thing that happened a couple of years ago. Yeah. As far as our earning income, it, the poorest person in this country is so much more wealthy than the average person in the world. And um, so the the things that average people in the world have to deal with on a daily basis, it just, it would just shock, it's its part of what I think is helpful when you get outside the context and go to a second or third world country and you say like, wow, this is different, you know? They're as Those people are as valuable, we have such great new friends in Zambia and they're so beautiful and in fact, I always come away feeling kind of like, oh, we in the U.S. have so much to learn from the rest of the world. Because I saw this, and even in, I was doing some teaching, and even in that, seeing how mentally strong, we say that we have the greatest mental health resources in the world, and yet I see that we have the greatest mental health struggles right. by far. And C.S. Lewis and other people, other philosophers, would always point to the fact of pleasure. You know, G.K. Chesterton, I think, he would always point out that it's not, you know, your worst pain doesn't come from actual pain. It comes from when you've obsessed yourself with pleasure. Mm -hmm. And when I look at the U.S., we have obsessed ourselves with pleasure, mentally, physically. We rest, we relax. That's where, you know, physically, that's where a lot of obesity, you don't see obese, obese people in most parts of the world. That's where obesity and all those kind of things come from. Um, again, that's a blanket statement, but it's true. I mean, we, you know, in other countries, people are relatively fit. And um, mentally, I think because they've had to walk through those things, there's a certain level of strength that I don't see in the average American. And I, I just wonder if that puts us in a detrimental spot, both physically and mentally, for something like a COVID. Well, and, you know, it's not just geographical. I think it's also generational, because I think about 
my parents' generation, sure. my grandparents' generation, and you know, again, blanket statements here, but it's not that they didn't struggle with things, and uh, maybe, you know, we, we cope with some things better than they did 50, 60, 80, 100 years ago in some ways, and yet, in terms of grit, I think, I think a compelling argument can be made that perhaps we're lacking some of the grit that our parents and grandparents generation had because we think we're so strong and then a lockdown happens and people literally just are beside themselves because they can't get toilet paper and the food systems are disturbed we're on such a little tiny you know cliff here you know right. that it's very slight and the majority of people we think back to again parents grandparents specifically grandparents generation coming out of the depression and stuff like that you're talking about people that were relatively self-sufficient right. just this idea of the the comforts that we're used to so i'll, I'll get personal for a second because yeah let's talk about toilet paper okay so when this all started back you know back in march everybody's toilet paper I'm not going to say a panic came over me, but I will say that a depression came over me, like going to the store, because that was like the only place you could go to, right? And just seeing, just just, just seeing that that overall, oh my gosh, I've got, a, I've got a stockpile. I started to feel that myself, because I think in my lifetime, you know, I'm the generation that, you know, we didn't see any war for a long time, you know, from... I was born right, right, you know, the middle towards the end of Vietnam, and then most of my young life, there was there was no conflict, there was wealth building, all of that. I believe my generation and younger has never really known anything but comfort and provision and plenty, and I mean, and those are all great things, right? Mm -hmm. Those yeah. are great things, and you would think that those things would give us peace of mind, and yet, again, painting with a broad brush here still i think it's fair to say in the vast configuration of things we're not seeing the level of peace commensurate with the comfort that we've had as a, as a culture for sure there's this idea that we're somehow progressing towards something in the society uh, i just think for us as christians I, I think i hope i hope there's a discerning nature in people's hearts to see that um that may be true in some instances but for the most part i think we're devolving and we have been for a long time okay. in, in terms of our spiritual and emotional ability to cope. Uh, and I, I don't necessarily like that word, but to, to be able to kind of be at peace in the midst of in some And that's, that's the shocking thing you'll find for those that haven't ever traveled to a place um, that's different in, in this world. You'll find people sometimes are in much less... Um, have le many less resources in uh, countless different ways and they are so much more at peace than we are yeah so and scripture would point to that very clearly it's not in the amount of stuff around us in fact the more stuff around us probably the less at peace we become um so and that you know that kind of goes to the second point that we already were talking about one of the other reality checks was just this fact that we are incredibly obsessed with safety to the detriment right. of truly living and that goes to the liabilities and all that Mike Rowe I saw that mm, he, he started yeah. an organization called Safety, safety Third, Third and yes, I love yes. it yeah, I love it yeah, because yeah. Um, and that's that, you know to push back into that um, particularly for us as Christians in particular you know it, it, we've kind of taken the safety first mindset. I'm actually uh, working on a short book right now called Corrupt Compassion. And it's just an examination of what I believe is kind of in a lot of different fashion. But right now is a particular temptation for church leaders and churches and Christians, whereby we excuse what might be risk averse thinking or safety at all costs thinking, because we say it has to do with compassion. The statement that almost always comes up is it's the only way to love your neighbor. If you're doing this particular action, you don't truly love your neighbor. And it's not just come up with COVID. It's come up with COVID. It's come up with, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter social movements that have been happening in countless different ways right now. This conversation keeps coming back up, and it almost goes back to, well, what's it mean to love your neighbor? And, and it always comes down to this, well, you're not truly loving your neighbor if you're doing blank. Right. And, um, man, I just think that's such a dangerous direction it to go to because it's never a there's always another balancing factor in the in, in the blog post i talk about how if we were to just say like loving your neighbor means that we all stay locked down and have restrictions to put us in a place where we're just completely isolated in our houses for a long period of time until the virus completely burns out or it's not not there anymore right. you know i've heard a lot of church leaders say and like well, and we're just going to go online for 
there are some churches that have been online this entire time. And, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not faulting you if you have particular reasons. I've, I've actually said that if somebody chooses to do that, but they have a really intentional strategy how to develop house churches mm-hmm. that would still allow people to be gathering together in some fashion while they're online, oh, that's awesome. Right. My, my tension is like when we think that that is going to satisfy the soul for forever, and when we kind of think with that safety first mindset, I just think it puts us in this danger because, you know, I talk about in there, the World Health Organization themselves said that by the end of 2020, the potential for 100 million people to die because of yes. lockdowns. Yep, I read that. It's a reality. Right. 100 yeah. million yeah. people. Yes, yeah. So some people are saying mm-hmm. because we have the resources, some people say, well, we should just lock down until this all burns out, or, or we should just lock down because that's the safe, that, that's safety first. That, that means that we're loving our neighbor by locking down. And again, I'm not completely opposed to all those things at all times, necessarily. What I'm saying is that we cannot act in the church in particular. We cannot act as if that is the only loving choice. And that goes to my third point, really. We cannot forget the kind of decisions we're making have an impact around the world. You know, the thing that was causing a ton of damage in Zambia right now was the lockdowns and restrictions around the world, particularly from the U.S. and other large organizations like the World Health Organization, really trying to push these African countries into lockdowns and then observing countries like the U.S. that are world leaders locking down. Oh, we need to lock down too. Be like them. And we might get a stimulus check or we might be able to work from home. Mm -hmm. The average Zambian doesn't have that option. So what we've just done is we've impacted, and we can't put all that on the U.S., right? Right. But we have facilitated an environment and and because we have the resources to be able to sustain ourselves through that and we just say, well, that's the only loving thing to do. We've not realized that, wait, this has consequences far beyond us. And there's loving choices on both sides and it can't just be this this even like this is a loving decision if you don't do that you're not loving your neighbor right it's on both sides right because there are so, so two things to that so not only the example that we're setting oh yeah we're locking down they should lock down that that has a ripple effect but also just what it's doing to us economically has an effect around, around the world. world totally so yeah so and the, the other thing is the, it's the irony because I've been in you know a, a good number of conversations and with people that I highly respect and and they have a point I mean certainly as Christians we need to think about our own behavior and our neighbor mm-hmm. right I mean Paul talks about it hey if you feel free to do this but it causes somebody else to stumble then that's on you Right. I'm paraphrasing. But, you know, but that's, so we have to keep that in mind. We can't just say, well, I'm free and I can do whatever I want and forget you because mm-hmm. you don't have as much faith as, no, that's, that's not, that's not the lesson, friends. And yet, what you're talking about is on a huger scale, you know, so we're talking one-to-one and that matters, but our, collectively, the way that we've been handling this with the collateral damage that's come as a result, the isolation, the depression, the, uh, the economic, that's having a tremendous impact around the world, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, talk about collateral damage. Right. And even, um, so just for our position to some extent as a church, right, just to, just to clarify where we're at, because I agree with you, there's some churches, very, very, very few of them, at least in our area, but there's some churches that say like, hey, we're just forgetting all this, and we're just, we don't even care, and we're just going to, you know, none of these restrictions matter to us, and we're just doing right. what we're going to do, just, right? Yeah, let's just fuck the system. The and vast yeah, majority yeah. of churches, um, are just we need to submit to the government in every aspect of every mm-hmm. way and not really push the boundaries at all. Right, because Romans thirteen. Romans right? thirteen, yeah, which yeah. I, th- I yeah. think is slightly misinterpreted in in the context to some extent, uh, but I also believe in it. Like I don't mm-hmm. think we should just actively um, deny or denounce you know those those things within the world. I think that's not a godly perspective, right? So we as a church, we have done we've done the the masking, we've done the distancing, we've we've uh, taken protocols into place, we've done all mm-hmm. those things that we need to do. At the same time, as we've now entered a different time period now in our western New York area where we're going into potential lockdowns or, you know, zones and lockdowns and all that kind of stuff again, we just have a conviction that we also can't close our doors because of the collateral damage. Like, mm. there is such collateral damage. And people say, well, it's not It's not a hard decision. You just go online. And, again, I'm not disrespecting somebody out there. I just want to, and part of this blog was just to push the envelope, make sure you're asking the question. If you're asking that question, you're confident you're doing what God's called you to do, go for it. 
but asking myself the question and, and just pushing specifically churches, church leaders, and Christians to ask the question like, are we sacrificing something else? And we've kind of just said, we can't close our doors again. We can't. We're dealing with the people that are there. People are, you know, walking away. They're struggling. Their family situations. Like, there's a lot of things happening financially and all these kind of things in their lives. And and um, there is collateral damage. We cannot think specifically for, and again, I don't want to get down this rabbit trail. I'm not making a huge statement or whatever. There are people that are seriously vulnerable to this disease, and we need to protect those people. And we're especially right. careful. We, yeah. have, we have red bands at our church that if you decide mm -hmm. you want to come, because again, it's a choice, mm -hmm. and many people don't come, and that's great. We have an online ministry for those people, and we are so blessed that they're participating through that. If they choose to come and they're extra vulnerable, we put a red band on them. We make sure that like people stay very clear of them. We give them preferential treatment. Um, because there's people that are vulnerable. When you think that for the majority of young people, statistically, as much as we want to bat around numbers and stuff like that, 99.9% .9 of those people that are under a certain age and are of a healthy kind of constitution that don't have significant, that, that they're going to be okay. Right. Um, you know, if we were dealing with a 1918 flu or something, it's different. You know, you're seeing 50 million people die. Uh, you know, 50 million people died out of 1.2 billion people. Statistically, that's like 4% of the world's population. Like, that is crazy, right? Right. And so, again, it goes back to that risk assessment. We have to we have to manage and figure out, like, there is two sides to this equation. Right. And so we're, we're walking, the, we're trying the best to live in that tension and walk the middle ground. Because right. we believe there's that. And that's just all I'm questioning for people is just... Are you willing to take a, a risk sometime if it's necessary, if you feel like yeah. the value outweighs it? So. Yes. So And so let's, we're kind of almost full circling here because we're back to this, this question about what makes the risk worthwhile. And I think I've just provided you a beautiful segue to, your, to that fourth thought that you have because that's really, again, let's remind ourselves, we're talking about... We're talking about Christians to Christians right now. Mm -hmm. So we know we're all in this together, but we don't want to put this on. If, if you're not part of the Christian community, then don't take this on for yourself because we don't want to say our priorities are your mm -hmm. priorities. Yeah. But for the Christian, let's talk about that. What, what makes a risk worthwhile? Yeah. I was reading in my devotions this morning um, you know, some classic writings, and, and the, uh, John Charles Rice, Ryle I just want to read some of this because I, I think that it's entitled Do Something. But he said, observe what Paul did at Athens. Um, so when he went into Athens and he saw they were worshiping all kinds of things, right? He did, he did something. He was not the man to stand still and confer with flesh and blood in the face of a city full of idols. He might have reasoned with himself that he stood alone, that he was a Jew by birth, that he was a stranger in a strange land, that he had to oppose the rooted prejudices and the old associations of learned men that to attack the old religion of a whole city was to beard a lion in his den, that the doctrines of the gospel were little likely to be effective on minds steeped in Greek philosophy, that there was no reason to ruffle some feathers. But none of these thoughts seemed to have been crossed Paul's mind. He saw souls perishing. He felt like life was short and time was passing away. He had confidence in the power of his master's message to meet every man's soul. He had received mercy himself and knew not how to hold his peace. He acted at once, and what his hand found to do, he did with all of his might. Oh, that we had more men of action these days. I just thought with this power, my, my, one of my dear neighbors, um, not from COVID, but he had some other health issues and just found out that pretty suddenly he was put into hospice, but then pretty quickly, and he, he had passed away just the other day. I guess just my heart goes back to and yearns. When I was when I was there in this messenger organizations, I love the passage. There, any road, any load, any time. Like love they're that. just whatever. Any road, any load, any time. So whatever it takes, no matter where they need to go, they're gonna go because they carry with them the gospel. And when we were there, we got to sit at a bar and speak to some men uh, about the gospel for 45 minutes. We got to go to people's houses and villages and just sit there and talk about witch doctors and, and questions they had about the faith and just share the gospel. Like, it was just so simple. It was so straightforward and it was so simple. And my, my concern for Christians and churches and church leaders here is just like, have we so complicated it, even in the midst of COVID, that as that reading was saying, that Paul could have come up with 10 different reasons why it didn't make sense for him to share the gospel in Athens. He could have come up with 10 different yeah, reasons right. to, to tone yeah. down the message or change right. the message right. or mold yeah. the message or do whatever it is. And I, when I look at this past season, not just with COVID, but just social issues and yeah. all these kind of things, 
how I see and I fear that we so jeopardize the mission of the gospel because we are so obsessed with fearing what people will see in us. Now, we, we are supposed to, according to scripture, have a good respect with outsiders. But there comes this point where we are so obsessed with what our image is going to be that we stop standing up as Christians. That we start to sacrifice the most essential things that might be there. And, you know, what I found is that, again, as we tried to walk this middle road and sit in the midst of this tension, whether people are Christians or not, like, they're reaching out for help. Like, people are desperate right now. Maybe desperate more than they have been in a long time for the gospel. And desperate for help in so many different ways. And we're seeing open doors and testimonies all around us here at our church. People are desperate. And I just fear that out of really good intentions and with a safety-first mindset, that potentially we are hindering the fervor and the, the passion for the gospel. I'm not telling you to go out there and just disrespect every governing authority. I'm not telling you to, but, but when, when is the point? What is the point? And it's probably different for each person to some extent, but w asking church leaders, Christians, the question, like, at what point do, does your passion for the gospel and the work that it has to do trump a sense of fear and right. trump a sense of, of risk that says, like, I can't walk out of here? Because this isn't our home. Right. You know, part of me is ask the question that, you know, um, if I know that I'm low risk and I can go out there and be doing ministry, like, if I'm not going out there and do that, like, we have such limited time. Maybe less than we've ever had. Who knows? Right. Maybe less than we've ever had. Like, when we get to the heaven, or, or is the Lord going to say, like, man, what was that? You know, what were you doing? Were you hiding from the chances that you had to share the gospel? What is going to trump that fear? And fear is a, a solution to a problem in our hearts it, about everything we do think, believe, and feel. This is what we talk about in this transformation prayer ministry started by Ed Smith. Everything we do think or feel is based on what we believe about who God is and who we are. If we serve the God of the universe, the sovereign God of all, all things, and if we are beloved by Him and sent on a mission, God's probably most of the time not going to send us out just with this but you look throughout history at the people that changed the world for Jesus the people that changed the world for these things they did not consider many of these missionaries they took their own casket with them they, they were willing to suffer everything on behalf of the lamb and I know again the immediate kickbacks are going to be Justin, you're talking about something completely different. That just that didn't have a disease at play. That didn't have this, and it wasn't about this. And we could share this, and it might be um, asymptomatic share, and all this kind of sure. Use those precautions. Like, sure. hey, there's stuff out there. You wear a mask. Be distance. All that right. kind of stuff. But is it hindering us from the mission of the gospel? And if it is, we must stop living in that place. You know? Yes. Because let's let's zoom out for a second. Because like I said, I know we we set this up by saying we're not really talking about COVID, and we've talked a lot about COVID. But I, this is where I want to zoom out. What makes a risk worth sharing? What makes danger worth it? Well, I think Jesus gave us that example, right? In, in Hebrews, right? Where it says, for, um, for the joy. No, Philippians. For the joy set before him. He endured the cross. Mm -hmm. Scorning his shame. shame. So he endured some pretty awful stuff. Some yeah. danger. I mean, pain and, and ultimately death. Why? What made it worth it? It was the joy set before him. And what is that joy? We're, as Christians, we are that joy that we get to glorify him, right? We get and enjoy him forever. So that's what makes facing danger, facing discomfort, facing persecution, facing all the, the perils that this world is throwing at us, even mm -hmm. right now, because yeah, this is what makes this time so so weird. I mean, COVID in itself is enough to deal with, but if only that were all that we're dealing with, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you referenced some of it, the social unrest, the weird elections, politics, being afraid to say certain things that, you know, you might even be convicted with all your heart that are true, but you're gonna be ostracized or maybe lose your job or shadow banned or whatever, you know, what makes a risk worth taking? Yeah, and I think 
I think my, my greatest um, just passion, and I say this at the end of the blog post, my greatest passion for all those listening right now um, is that you wouldn't stop asking the other questions. It's not wrong to ask questions of safety. It's not wrong to ask how I can make sure I don't share COVID with other people. It's not wrong to figure out how I can clean um, the things and do things. It's not wrong that I don't tackle social issues and talk about them or the election and stuff exactly. like that. But what has to come first? Right. You know, right. safety third versus safety first. If your first question is safety, bold statement, but I'm just, you cannot possibly think that you're in the midst of the mission of God. It's never been and never will be first about safety. That's right. It's first and foremost, God, what do you have for me right now? God, what's your will for me? God would never send me into an unsafe. Have you read the Bible? Yeah. Have you yeah. Have you watched the history of the Christian church? Like, he sends all of those that have done amazing things into awful yeah. circumstances for his glory and they love it because they are born in with this passion and this calling within their hearts to minister on behalf of jesus and so you know if you've maybe you've been sitting in your basement this entire time um or in your house this entire time just hiding out trying to make sure it all goes away maybe you're doing ministry in your house great because your first question would have been like god how can you use my time right now that's right Great. Right. Do that's ministry true. online yes. and make sure that every waking moment you're trying to figure out how you can minister to your family and minister out there. Maybe it's okay for mm -hmm. you to stay in your house. But for a lot of other people, your first question hasn't been that. You've been sitting there watching the news constantly. You've been sitting there just imbibing fear on every level. And you're just stuck in your house because that your main question is, how can I stay safe? Maybe you've been out and you've been reckless. Uh, your, your first question shouldn't be, how can I rebel against the government and go out there and right. just infect anybody because it doesn't matter, it's a fake disease, you mm -hmm. know? That's not godly. Right. Your first question needs to be, God, how can I serve and love people right now? Exactly. Right. God, what do you fight? want from me yeah. right now? Yeah. How can I share yeah. the gospel right now? And so, um, in both cases, how do you discern that? It's because that safety is a couple questions down the list, always. Right. It's right. first and foremost, God, how can I glorify you today? God, what's your mission for me right now? Right. And how can I best share the gospel with people around me? And if you ask those questions, the, by the time you get down to the safety question, it'll look a little bit different. Right, right. And you know, it's a natural instinct, right? We pray for safety, right? When we travel, oh God, protect us as we travel. And so all of that is natural. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it becomes the the the, the penultimate or the, the preeminent thing, that's, yeah, that's where we're missing out on, on how God not just can use us because we're, yes, he wants us he wants to, we all have a purpose for our lives, but it's also where we fellowship with him yeah. and where we have union with him is in trusting him rather than in preserving our lives. And, you know, um, Francis Chan had this great uh, illustration a couple of years back where he was on a, a balance beam. I don't know if you mm, saw that, yeah, but that was, yeah. is just exactly what we're talking about. You know, he says a lot of us go through our lives. You know, the whole point of the balance beam is you're on a little balance beam and they're doing their routine and, um, you know, it's it's risky. They could fall off, right? Mm -hmm. But the whole point is they, they, they do this routine. And it's natural, but so many of us live our lives as if the point is to hug that balance beam as tightly as we can and one day, you know, just kind of ease our way off of it and then say, okay, we, you know, we want to hear well done. And that's that's not the point. Mm -hmm. That's not the point. Like you said, the, the point of our lives is to know God, to glorify Him, enjoy Him forever. Mm -hmm. And that's actually really good news. It's really good news. So good. Yeah. Because when we seek to save our lives, what did Jesus say? Mm -hmm. We lose them. Exactly. Right? But when we lose our lives for His sake, that's when we find them. So, Justin, as we wrap this thing up, how about you pray? Pray for, pray for us. Pray for, pray for the people that are, that are just honestly struggling mm -hmm. with all this right now. Yeah. God, we come to you right now and we thank you. Um, we thank you that you are a passionate, loving God. We thank you that you're the God that did risk everything in coming to us. And you made yourself nothing, becoming a human and being willing to die on the cross and then be resurrected from the dead so that we could have life. And you sent your Holy Spirit to live within those of us that are called uh, Christians that have committed our lives and our, our faith to you. I pray right now for all those that are struggling from uh, COVID, whether it's people that are sick, whether they're in the hospital, uh, or whether it's people that have lost their jobs, lost their incomes, that are starving right now around the world. God, there's pain in, in all kinds of places around this world, as there always is, and there always will be until you come again. But we just pray for your comfort for those people and for those families. Obviously, there's a lot of pain that they're, they're struggling through right now. God, I pray, I 
pray that this conversation has led to just the ability for those that are Christians to ask a question of themselves, which is, is safety my first question? Are, are some of these, these things that we've talked about my first question, or is my first question, God, what do you have for me today? God, what is, what is your mission for me? God, and then, and then leaving those, some of those other things down the list, not, not asking them, not being reckless, but being willing to risk it all on his behalf. And so I just pray that if there's ways that we, uh, those that are listening, need to take a step to ask you those questions and figure out what your marching orders are for them, that they would do that today. Um, that if there's those that are feeling kind of hopeless and helpless, that you would just encounter them today. And um, God, that we would stand boldly as a church. That, uh, you know, we can't control people's reactions to the church. And as the times get darker, the church um, may not always be in a favorable light. You know, it already isn't in a lot of cases in our country right now. Um, but we have to still stand up as Christians. I just pray specifically for, for church leaders right now that are stuck in a sense of fear about the decisions they're making, hard decisions they're making. They're not easy. And I pray again that their first consideration is not just safety. The first consideration is, God, what do you have for our church right now? God, where, where do you want us to go? How can we share the gospel? And I pray that through that, the church would be a light in our communities, that we'd be taking the right risks, the kind of things that can reach people that are dying from suicide and that are in addiction and those that are struggling financially and those that are dealing with COVID, whoever it might be, and that the church is the first ones in line there to help so that your kingdom can come and your will will be done on this earth. And uh, God, will give you all the glory because you're the one that started this. You're the one that showed us the way. You're the one that empowers every movement that we make. So God, do your will in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks, Justin. It was great. Thank you so much for having this conversation. I loved having it. And so now we have to have you back to talk about uh, compassion, corrupt compassion, corrupt right? Corrupt compassion. It'll yeah. be next. Yes. Yes. Or Dr. Pimple Popper. Oh, please no. Please okay. no. <laughs> God bless. Life is short. Well, that's depressing. Thanks. Bye-bye now. No, actually, the truth is, life is eternal. But this side of eternity is short. And, hey, you can hardly blame a girl or a guy for wanting to preserve it. Especially if this is all there is. But listen, here's where it gets real good. Jesus himself said that he came so that we may have real life abundant and eternal not a cushy life mind you and not necessarily even a safe life at least not in the conventional sense but but real life starts at the point of entrusting our lives to his purpose his wisdom and his plans so wherever you are on the whole belief spectrum i hope this has been an encouraging conversation for you maybe even challenging in a good way hopefully I know it has been for me. Oh, and if you haven't already, I highly recommend reading Justin's blog, the one that inspired this whole talk today. You can find the link to that in the podcast show notes at isleofmisfits.com. That's I-S-L-E of misfits.com. And of course, you should check out Justin's blog too. That's Pastor Justin Jones at wordpress.com. Thanks for sticking around. And you know what? I would love to hear your thoughts, even if you have different ones than the ones we shared today. All I ask is that you abide by my three simple rules, the only rules that we have around here. Say them with me if you know them. Own your awkward, love your fellow misfit, and seek beauty and truth wherever it can be found. <laughs>